Hey everybody, hope you're doing well. This podcast will be a little bit different than normal in that I'm not going to talk about the Bible or God. Um, I don't believe that those things are necessary in this case to show that pro-choice arguments are illogical and faulty. I truly believe that they are and I'm going to defend that to you today. So I feel like as a society, we have lost the ability to think critically about things, that we just say things without providing proof. We just accept things as true without truly thinking about it. And so I want to challenge you on that today and feel free to challenge me, anything I'm saying, but I just feel like somebody cannot possibly have truly thought through these arguments consistently, logically, for a very long amount of time and truly come to the conclusion that uh, pro-choice is the correct stance to take. For the sake of time, I'm just going to fly through this because I don't expect anybody to listen to, you know, an hour and a half, two hour podcast, which is what I feel like would be uh, more appropriate, I guess, for lack of a better word. In other words, it would allow me to go into more um, maybe case-by-case scenarios or things like that. But I'm just going to uh, or try to respect everybody's time. And so, um, basically, there's a couple arguments um, that I'm going to address. So, the first one would be, is it a person? Is that fetus a person? Yes or no? And what are the implications of that? And two, another argument I've recently heard, uh, and I feel like it's the best pro-choice argument, doesn't mean it's a good one, but it's the best one, uh, is it doesn't matter if it's a person, you cannot be... As the pregnant woman, you cannot be forced to, quote, donate, you know, your body, your organs to another living being, regardless of if it's, if it's a, you know, person like me or you, fetus, whatever, uh, you have the bodily autonomy, was the argument, that you do not have to lend your body to the well-being of another. And so I'm going to address those. So most of the conversations I've had, and I've had many throughout the years with my pro-choice friends and acquaintances, with all due respect, even though they have been articulate and they have not been ugly, you know, they've been civil, they just are not getting the bigger picture, usually, because they keep coming back to, and here's the main arguments I hear all the time, okay, well, you know, pro-life people are just pro-birth, women don't have... You know, not all women have the financial resources to afford more children. The world has a lot of people already. Uh, Oh my goodness, some people aren't ready for children. Like, all these arguments that truthfully mean absolutely nothing, nothing, until we can establish, is it a person or not? And what I mean by that is, those arguments wouldn't apply uh, to a toddler or to a newborn baby. I know my pro-choice friends would agree with that. You can't say, well, I should be able to... And I'm just going to invoke some uh, factual but perhaps violent language. Oh, I'm just going to crush my toddler's skull and rip his arms off because I can't afford other children right now. Like, obviously, a pro-choice person would say, well, that's, that's crazy. Of course you can't do that. And if you say, why? Why can't I do that? Okay, because a toddler, a newborn, is a person. So now we have to say, okay, what is a person? Does personhood depend on location, size, sentience, uh, cognitive ability? Like, what are we looking at here? And then that's when we can finally start to dive into this stuff. 
a lot of people say, well, viability, you know, viability. It's, if it's not viable, if it's before 20 weeks, then an abortion is okay. Which my follow-up question would be, first of all, what does viability have to do with whether or not you have the right to dismember and violently end the life of a living being? For example, if you went down the road and saw a dying dog, let's say it just had a, in fact, I actually have seen this in front of my house, a pack of dogs, uh, unfortunately just went into this other poor dog and I saw it after the fact. If I'd seen it during the fight, obviously I would have tried to stop it, but saw this poor dog. He was bleeding profusely. He was dying. What if I said, okay, clearly he's not viable. Uh, let me just completely, uh, dismember him and burn him alive. All these things that you can fact check me. This is what happens in abortions at least past 12 weeks. The fetus is big enough that it is a violent death. So you wouldn't do that to a dog, right? You would try to comfort that dog, which is what I did. Gave it water until it passed. Now, some people might say, well, you know, when you have like a suffering animal and it's just suffering, you shoot it, right, to end its life. Like you want to put it out of its misery. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. But a fetus is not suffering. Fetus is not dying. Now, we can talk about those cases where they are because I know there are cases like that. But again, those are the minority of cases minority of cases, and that is not what I'm addressing today in this podcast, because we all know that there are circumstances that are incredibly difficult. There's hard calls to make, but I feel like if I'm being blunt, that those are the examples that the pro-choice side invokes to try to distract from the real issue, which is that 99% of abortions are not due to any medical abnormality or, um, or rape or incest, they're just due to the fact that the person doesn't want their normally developing child. So again, viability means nothing uh, in that sense. Another example of viability is um, people with COVID that are on ventilators, they're not viable either. They can't breathe on their own. They're literally going to die without medical intervention. Um, so do we just, again, do we just violently kill them? because they're not viable. Like, I'm not understanding how viability has anything to do with inherent worth and value, with whether or not it's a person. And just to be clear, if you had a loved one that was on a ventilator and they literally were not viable, but the doctor said, hey, in like two, three weeks, six months tops, your loved one will be fine. Well, they will be completely developed. <laughs> Their lungs will have healed. They will be fine. You would be cruel to pull that plug. We only end the life, quote unquote, pull the plug on somebody who is dying, who is completely brain dead. They're not going to recover. You would not pull the plug or end the life of someone that in a few weeks or months is going to be totally fine. So why are we okay to do that to a fetus? That fetus, under normal circumstances, is going to develop and be a beautiful baby or toddler with a future and a hope and dreams and desires. Like, I don't understand the connection. Another common argument is consciousness, to which I would say, um, one, as I've already said, the fetus will have uh, rapidly developing consciousness. So who are we to just cut that off in the middle of the development process? Two, they do have some level of consciousness. Uh, I had an ultrasound at 12 weeks, four days, and my son was uh, sucking his left thumb in the womb. And he uh, is, you know, left-handed now. He sucked his thumb as a baby. Like, 
his brain was doing something. Even if it's just pure instinct, that doesn't mean we deserve to to we deserve the right to terminate that life. I don't see the connection between consciousness and our right to terminate a life. Like the lower level of consciousness that they have, the more right we have to to in in their life. Like I just need us to tease that out. Like what is the connection there? Like oh consciousness. Okay, well there's different levels of consciousness. Um I read that 15% of pro-choice people are, or maybe it's 15%, yeah, 15% of pro-choice people are okay with abortion up to the third trimester, which is just insane to me because the consciousness is so apparent at that point. It's a newborn baby, basically. Um, My daughter was born six weeks early, so just the fact that somebody would be okay with ending her life at the exact same time she was born is just so strange to me. But anyway... Uh, we now have to determine what level of consciousness is appropriate because the fetus does have levels of consciousness. They might be low super early in the developmental process, but how do we determine the level of consciousness that is required to now be able to end the life of a living being? A lot of my pro-choice friends would say they're not 100% sure when life, or excuse me, when the personhood would begin. Well, then shouldn't we be better safe than sorry? Isn't it better to just be safe and say, you know what, just in case we actually are killing human beings, let's just not do this, right? If I were going to uh, blow up a building, you know, to demolish it, to rebuild another one, if somebody said there might be a person in there, I'm not going to say, hmm, oh, well, if it is, it is. This is my decision. I would say, okay, let's hold up. Let's double check. Let's make sure there's not a person inside before we destroy this building. So I don't understand why we are willing to take risks, grave risks in the case of abortion when we wouldn't do that on a normal day-to-day basis. So those are the biggest arguments is consciousness, viability. Um, I don't really understand the location argument, which is what I'm going to get into, which is the fact, well, it's inside a woman's body. Um, I don't really know what that has to do with much in general. Um, again, if there's a life or death circumstance, which is super rare, by the way, look that up. I hate when pro-choice people use that all the time, um, which I would say it's permissible in instances such as ectopic pregnancy or something like that, where the mother's life really truly is in danger and you're going to lose the baby regardless. I think that that is wise to make that decision at least permissible uh again i'm not sure what location has to do with personhood um and i apologize you can probably hear me cooking eggs in the background with the sizzling but anyway um this is just real life so i'm a real person <laughs> doing a very uh unprofessional podcast right now so uh anyway is a person still a person in outer space in the ocean like what i don't understand If they're in someone else's body, do they suddenly lose personhood? Uh, So again, location, consciousness, viability, none of that means anything. That literally doesn't mean anything. It doesn't help the argument at all. Another thing would be, what even is personhood? What is personhood? Is Is it the ability to, is it consciousness? Because dogs and cats have that. And we don't give them the same rights as we demand from us. So I'm just confused because they definitely have consciousness. Those of you that have dogs, especially those of you that have cats, will tell you they have their own desires and will 
and wants and needs. They can be jerks, like they're conscious, but are they people? Um, is it the ability to have hopes and dreams and desires? Because again, severely many mentally handicapped people don't necessarily have those things. Uh, children don't have dreams for the future necessarily at certain ages. Of course they do once they're like 10, 11, 12, but like a two and three year old, a newborn baby, they're not thinking, man, I really hope I grow up to become an astronaut. They're just worried about being fed and clean and dry and feeling safe. So again, define personhood for me. What actually is that? Because pro-choice people would say it's more than just being a physical human being because they would say that fetus is a human, but it's not a person. So again, the inconsistencies are absolutely astounding. One of the last arguments I'll address is the fact um, that uh, you are not obligated or compelled to share your organs with another uh, person, right? Like in the U.S., you have to give expressed consent and permission to be an organ donor. And so some people have said, well, you know, that baby is using your body uh, and you're never compelled to donate, quote-unquote, your body to another, right? Like, even cadavers, dead people, if they expressly have said, I do not want to be an organ donor, um, depending on the country, actually. But at least in America, they have to have given some type of consent. You know, there has to be that little red heart on their driver's license, at least in North Carolina, maybe it varies by state. Uh, you can't just take their organs, right? Which I would say that makes sense. Like, that's an honorable uh, standard to uphold. You can't just take something from someone else wrongly so, to benefit another, right? You have person A who uh, is going to die without a kidney. You can't go to person B and say, you must give us your kidney. Like, that would be just as wrong, actually. You're letting person A just run their natural course. Person B has nothing to do with person A, right? But what if person A was directly brought into existence by the choices of person B, I'm not talking about rape or incest in this podcast because I know, again, people like to use that as a scenario to avoid the actual problem at hand um, because those are less than 1% of cases of abortion due to rape and incest and things like that. So uh, the person dying down the road in the hospital without a kidney is not dying without a kidney because of me. The fetus is brought on 99% of the time by two willing adults who have chosen to engage in an act that makes babies, okay? And so that's another argument, by the way. Like, are you actually entitled to be sexually active? Like, do you actually just, is that just something you can do without consequence? That's another argument. But uh, those are, that's why that argument is not the same, meaning it's not the same that I'm not giving a kidney to the dying guy in the hospital as to why it's okay to, brutally murder a fetus because it's an inconvenience. Like, I don't understand how there is any connection whatsoever. That being is in existence through no choices of its own. Uh, you know, a person maybe with liver damage, perhaps, perhaps they, you know, drank excessively and so they need a new liver. Like, that's, that's a choice they made. They're in that predicament, perhaps, not always, because of a choice they've made. I realize people who need an extra kidney are not necessarily in that predicament because of a choice they have made. But you, person B, the pregnant mother, the father that contributed, directly brought that being into existence. 
Um, that argument also doesn't work if you want to say like, well, they can't use my body. Newborn babies use your body if you're breastfeeding. So I'm confused. That baby is using um, many, many calories from you. And so unless you're bottle feeding, that baby's also using your body. So I feel like that's inconsistent. The common pro-choice slogan is my body, my choice, to which I would say, absolutely, your body, your choice. You should have autonomy over what you do with your body until your personal choice, your personal liberty begins to infringe upon the liberties of others. That's why I was very pro-mask uh, for the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. I think it's wise for people to get the vaccine. I was very vocal about that because you have a personal choice until your choice begins to affect others negatively. And so I believe it was best that for a time we all wore masks to protect each other. Um, so when a choice you make for your body affects the bodies of someone else, now it's a totally different conversation. And that is what abortion is. There is another body involved here. Another perspective to think about as the argument is made that nobody can force you to lend your body to another, regardless of personhood, is the case of conjoined twins. Depending on where they're conjoined and the organ placement and things like that, sometimes it's one stronger twin who could actually withstand separation surgery and a, a weaker twin who would certainly die. But no doctor would ever do that. So I don't understand why my body, my choice doesn't apply in this situation. What if the stronger twin said, please just, you know, let's just cut this, this other guy off here. He's using up my resources. I can't think of a single instance where that has ever happened, thankfully. But if we want to be consistent, we ought to say that that person has the right to do that. They have the right to request that the weaker one be cut off. So that's something to think about. Something else to think about is I don't know exactly why the lesser of the two evils is to not be pregnant. Why is murder a better option than not being pregnant? As you look at a pregnant woman in a fetus sharing a body and saying, okay, she doesn't have to lend her body to the fetus. Why does the fetus get to use the, why does the fetus have to be the one terminated? Isn't the lesser of the two evils that she be pregnant for a few months? Or is the lesser of the two evils that we kill this being permanently? I don't think that makes sense either. There are obviously, you know, more conversations, more arguments, more case-by-case -case scenarios I could go through. But like I said in the beginning, for the sake of time, I'm not. I'm just addressing the big stuff that I feel like just doesn't make sense. I feel like we are totally illogical and inconsistent. But I could go into that, but I am just trying to hit the main stuff. And so if you have any thoughts, please let me know. Keep it civil. Um, I just, I'm just honestly, if you can tell from my tone of voice, I'm just tired of the inconsistencies. I did not use God. Um, I didn't use the Bible, nothing like that. I didn't use the Bible. I have not used religion at all. So it's not because I'm a Christian that I can make these arguments. I feel like it is 
logical, it is full of logical fallacies, the pro-choice arguments. So if you disagree with me, that's fine. Try to prove me wrong. Have a great day.